I and Kachi, we are here, the whole crew is here uh, making sure that uh, we don't miss a day. I, I couldn't, like yesterday I was, um, I thought I was fully ready for prayer rain. I stayed up until I think like 30 minutes before and then I'm on the phone with Pastor Stephanie and I'm like, Stephanie, you know, I started off sounding very ready. She's like, oh, you sound, you know, I say, yeah, I just took a shower. I want to make sure I take prayer in and, and in less than five minutes, I just dwindled. And I know the next thing I know is that it was sounding like an echo from a distant land. And I was saying, Apostle, 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 are you there? Apostle, are you awake? My spirit and my soul just could not respond. I had gone deep into sleep, you know. So I said, Stephanie, I can't. I just can't. Uh, so, but I'm sure you guys had an amazing time yesterday. And I'm sure Pastor Stephanie brought the word of the Lord in, and, and prayer. Um, but honestly, I was going to, with all my heart, I, I was here. But just a couple of minutes to now understand how people will miss rapture. You know, because it's not about all the preparation, but in the day that the bridegroom will come, are you ready? You understand? I was ready up until 15 minutes before. Alas, when the moment of visitation came, I could not hold on any further. I just know, I knew I was with phone on my ear, and the next thing, everything just started feeling light. And I was hearing from far, Apostle! Apostle, are you awake? Will you take the meeting? I was gone. So, um, yeah, body no be wood, body ain't wood. <laughs> so, but today, I actually, I'm going to sleep when this meeting is done because I haven't slept. But I was like, look, I can't disappoint Stephanie again. The fear of Pastor Stephanie is the beginning of sleepless nights. Praise Jesus. So um, we're here and today we're just going to continue on our journey of power. I'm, I'm really happy to be with you guys and I want you to celebrate Victor and Kachi who just arrived from Nigeria today. They arrived, their flight landed like 2.30. It's a bit too loud. So it's, it's yeah. So their flight arrived at about 2.30 and as soon as they got to the uh, hotel, they you know just grab their bags i don't even think Kachi has gone to his own room you know they just grabbed their gear came to my my place and they started setting up and you know having everything ready just so that we can have prayer in so a lot actually goes into uh, making sure these meetings happen every morning i know you just get to click a link and some people slip off and you know people tell me all kinds of testimony of how why you were talking i just slept off i had this vision i'm like don't, ever, don't tell me that testimony again so while i am laboring you are sleeping you know having closed eye visions praise god uh, but a lot goes into these meetings, putting it together. So, um, Kachi Victor, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for your hard work, your dedication, your commitment to prayer rain, people of influence, and to myself. God bless you. We are all very grateful. Um, Reverend Harriet is also in the room with us. She's just in the corner. And um, we all know Reverend Harriet. She's the head of MOD 
East Africa and she's been doing an amazing job and because of all the work and efforts that she's put into um, Uganda that's why we're here today actually she's still the ground really powerfully she's still the ground really powerfully and so um, Reverend Harriet is here in the room praying with us maybe I'll ask her to close when it's time the name of her ministry is actually Dunamis so I told her why am I preaching power when you are right here you understand you are, you have a ministry called Dunamis why am I even attempting to preach when you are here you know so maybe we're gonna ask Reverend Harriet to close this meeting for us okay great um, so I started teaching you about power you know um, two days ago and when I got to Uganda in me trying to stay awake yesterday I took time to listen to my message which I haven't done in a while and I actually listened to the whole message I was so proud of myself I was proud of myself for being able to listen to my message but I was also proud of myself when I was listening I'm like yeah Apostle you you do preach very well you know, I got some revs. I was like, I should write that down. That's so powerful, you know. And but one thing, though, after listening, I was like, you know, you sometimes you, see, you take for granted the things that the Spirit of God is able to say. So even in the times when I thought, oh, yeah, at the most is a B minus, and but. I listened to the sermon and I'm like, oh my God, that was so powerful, you know, and there's so many nuggets and someone sent me her notes. So you should go back and listen to the message because we started by talking, um, I think I talked about, <laughs> I love you too, Ayanda. Thank you, Mandy. Thank you so much. Um, I think I started by talking about the, the five reasons why um, we don't walk in power. You know, I can't remember then because it's usually when I'm speaking, I start to number. So, but I spoke about five reasons why I don't work in power. And I think I said something about, well, fear, we're afraid, uh, we're we don't believe, uh, we're too careful. Uh, can somebody tell me? I know I started with too careful and I think too fearful. Sorry? Yes, unwillingness to extend ourselves. Um, unbelief, yes, unwillingness to extend yourself. I think I said so it was about your heart not being wide enough. Does anybody have the notes? Mm -hmm. There are five things. Yes, <clears throat> not understanding protocol. Yes, that was one of it also. Yes, government and protocol, yes. So I spoke about the five reasons why we don't walk in power. And I think it's really critical um, to, to, to note it. Yes, thank you, Dr. Uh, Salen. I, I can barely see this TV. Okay, I need healing for my eyes. Yes, thank you, and willingness to extend ourselves. So it's very important to understand these things because it's not enough for me to teach you that power is available. Power has always been available. Um, power has always been there. Power has always been given to us as believers. But um, do we understand why we don't see the manifestation of it? That is the issue. Uh, so today, I'm going to just continue and talk to you about the different kinds of power that we have. And there's a scripture that I, I really like is in Ephesians, Ephesians 1 from verse 18 to 23. And this scripture speaks about, you know, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, you know, and it begins to list and talk about different kinds of power 
that exists. So Ephesians 1, 18 to 23, it says the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. So that means your understanding has got eyes. So everybody has got understanding and your understanding has eyes. So the eyes of your understanding can be darkened. The eyes of your understanding can be dull. The eyes of your understanding can be blind. So everybody has got an inner capacity to understand, but sometimes the eyes of your understanding can be defective. I remember the first time God gave me this revelation, I think I was about 19 years. And I remember studying the scripture in Ephesians 1, and I was like, oh my gosh, the eyes of my understanding, that means my understanding has eyes you know and it was so powerful to me then because I thought you know everybody just understands is that you can understand or you cannot understand no we all have the capacity to understand and I'm saying this to you because there's somebody here thinking to themselves oh I can't you know read the word of God like PI does I can't understand scriptures like Pastor Stephanie does I can't pray like this I can't get this revelation or I can't you know come up with plans and strategies for nations for systems and all of that not true everybody has got understanding sometimes you just need to pray for the eyes of your understanding to receive healing now how do the eyes of your understanding works it works in the way you perceive things it works in the way you evaluate things do you understand what I'm saying? It works in the way you imagine. Your perception, your evaluation, your imagination. It works in your dreams and your visions. Are you with me? And it works in your revelation. Those are the five things. The way you perceive, the way you evaluate. Somebody help me. What did I say? The way you perceive, the way you evaluate, the way you imagine. Um, it wo- dreams and visions and... What's the, gosh... Please, if you heard everything I said, tell me. There were five. Revelation is the last one. So, perceive, aha, uh-huh, evaluate, aha. Uh-huh. No, I need to follow. Imagination, the way you imagine, uh, dreams and vision, and revelation. So those are the five ways that the eyes of your understanding works. Now, I'm saying this to you because you read the scripture that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. Okay, how do I even know if the eyes of my understanding is working? Number one, you you use those five things as markers. So how do you perceive? Is your discernment alive? You know, were you able to tell that something was off about the new lesson teacher you just hired for your child? Um, A nanny came into your house. Were you able to perceive that this person has a lying spirit? You know, you just made a new friend. The, the, The relationship is really good. But can you perceive that this person is a manipulator? Can you perceive that this person has a lying tongue? You know, so your ability to perceive because understanding in the realm of the spirit does not work the way we understand things so it's like oh the way we understand things is one plus one equal to two so we have physical methodologies you know we have physical steps and processes that lead to understanding because that's the way the human brain processes but the spirit does not process the way the brain processes your spirit can extend a lot further than your brain can your spirit can enter into realms and places so the brain needs physical things and matter 
and the brain needs things that have substance for it to make sense to it but your spirit does not work like that your spirit can remember what uh, um, elisha said to his servant he said was my did my spirit not go with you when you went to collect the the, the gift on from Naaman? You know now Naaman's leprosy has come upon you. So he was sitting in his house, but he said to his servant that my spirit went with you when you went to collect that gift. So how is that possible? He wasn't saying that he teleported or that he, you know, his spirit left his body. But basically, if he had the language that we have now, he can say, you know what, in the realm of the spirit, I was able to see, I was able to perceive that you had gone. And it's the same way that people say to me, P.I., how, in fact, one of the, one of my pastors made a statement today. She said, P.I., ah. We are all join, journeying on the strength of your courage, you know, because she was laughing. She's like, how did I get here? What am I doing in Uganda? You know, and we all were all laughing. She's like, man, Pierre, we're journeying on the strength of your courage. And it, that statement stuck in my head. And, you know, sometimes people think that courage is about having all things figured out. That's, that's not courage. That is just facts. That, that is enabling your decision making. But courage many times does not have fact. What courage has is discernment. What courage has is a sense of accuracy concerning the power of God, concerning the will of God, concerning the capacity of God to save and to deliver. So you don't have physical proof of it, but there's a certainty in your spirit that God says, go in this direction. And you know, within that direction, you begin to make decisions. And those decisions you are making is galvanizing momentum in the realm of the spirit and upon that momentum a, an entire generation can run an entire generation can find direction an entire generation can find strength for the journeys of their own lives so this is how come we are sitting down here today talking about things like the mantle of deborah deborah died many years ago but upon her decision to move against a current sitting government that had more chariots of iron and had more soldiers than Israel had. Remember the Bible says that not a sword or a shield um, was seen in 10,000 men in Israel. So Israel was deficit, defi um, deficient in, um, in weaponry. Israel did not have what it took to defend themselves. So the question is, how could people who didn't have weapons go to war against a mighty army? So you then begin to understand that what Deborah did literally made no sense. But Deborah had a certainty. She had sat in that position for 20 years. So for her to get up and say, today is the day, that's to tell you that Deborah had encountered something with God. And she came into an understanding of the might of God that had nothing to do with the shield or the sword of the people of Israel. She had an understanding that God's strategy of war is different from the way that men war. So she had sat down for so long waiting for the day that they'll be sword, that they'll be spared, that they'll be shielded, but it wasn't coming. And until the moment when she was able to enter revelation, then it hit her, God doesn't need that. God can use the river Kishon to war. God can command the stars of the heavens to move. God can use wind. God can use a young girl to kill a mighty soldier. God can do it in many different ways. It was that understanding that empowered Deborah's decision to call for battle 
Barak and to say, listen, this is the day. And to tell all the tribes, get up, this is the day. Did Deborah know for certain, for certain, she had, she knew, yes, the victory will come to you by the hand of a woman, but she didn't know which woman. She didn't know how it was going to happen, but she just knew it was time. So this is how understanding works. So the question is, what do you perceive? What do you discern? You know, are your senses dead? It means that the eyes of your understanding is dull. You know, how do you evaluate? So there's something about your mind, because part of what I'll teach you today is the power of the mind. I'm going to teach you today. Now, the way you evaluate things is also a show of where your understanding is. So somebody, um, well, somebody walks into a room and the person, you know, has a frown on their face, and there are two people sitting down. One person says, "I don't know, was she? She's just very. There's a way she's rude, Pierre. I don't really like her." And then another one says to me, "Oh, you know, she may just be having a very hard day. You know, let me go and ask her what's going on if she's okay." Two people but two completely different evaluations concerning what the person that walked into the room might be going through. So what has just happened is a reflection of the state of their understanding. So one person understands a frown as rude, angry, not my friend, hates me, doesn't want to talk to me, disrespectful. Another person evaluates a frown as, yeah, she may be all of that, but I can't prove it. How about maybe she is not feeling too well? Maybe she's in a bad place. Maybe she just needs my help. So your capacity to rightly and effectively evaluate according to the nature of God is part of the things that show the state of your understanding. Now also your imagination. How is the, how is this the room of your imagination? Are you invaded with all kinds of thoughts that you cannot control? Are you in a place where you constantly imagine evil as, oppo as opposed to imagining the power of God? So your imagination also shows to you the state of your understanding. What are the pictures that form in your mind? Because you see, pictures are empowering or pictures are limiting, depending on the picture that is being formed. So your understanding is a very, very, very powerful weapon and tool that God has given to you. People who can master understanding in this life can walk in power. That can master imagination can walk in power. So when I teach you about the power of the mind, you know that scripture that says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You see, every time, I actually am going on a mission. I see it before I do it. In fact, while, while I'm here, I spend most of my time imagining the things that I want to see manifest because it's scriptural as I think in my heart, so is my life. So when you see the strength of a person's life or the strength of manifestation, it gives you an idea into how the person thinks. Now, imagination is not just, oh, I'm just gonna imagine myself owning a vault with $1 billion and that's it. No, that is poor imagination. That is um, lazy imagination. So the Bible says God is able to do according to how you, what you ask or think. So it's not enough to ask, but you need to think. You need to allow your mind go into the realm of solution. You need to allow your mind go into the realm of the wisdom of God. So when I'm talking about imagination, I'm not talking about just anything you feel like imagining. Oh, I just imagine myself ending up with Mary's chestnut, Maurice chestnut, Maurice chestnut. P. I said power of imagination. If I can imagine, you know, Idris Elba, I'm going to have him. No, you're... 
Don't, you're tormenting yourself. Don't do that. The imagination I'm talking about is that you must imagine according to the will of God. You must imagine according to the will of God. You must, you must subject your mind also to the possibilities of God. You must allow your imagination enter into the place of creativity. You must allow your imagination be possessed by the power of the Holy Spirit so that you are not only imagining the things that are possible to man, you begin to imagine the things that are possible to God. You begin to enter into the place where um, God possesses your imagination fully and you are able to see structures you are able to see solutions. You are able to see patterns. You are able to see trends. You are able to see the future. You are able to see the destinies of people where the Lord possesses your imagination. So imagination is also part of the place where understanding dwells, where understanding works because you cannot imagine past what you, what you have expression or what you have identification for so um i can't imagine a camera if i do not know that the camera exists that is why um the most powerful people or the most the people with the most powerful imagination are usually the people that have the greatest education and i'm not talking about school as you know it i'm talking about information knowing that certain things exist knowing that certain things are possible but so the question is, what are you educating yourself in? Or what are you being educated by? It determines the strength of your imagination. Are you still with me? Now, if you, if you, if you remember or if you read about scientists of old, um, there's a particular scientist. I don't know if it was, was Isaac Newton or one of the scientists or Edison. He would actually be trying to solve a problem and he will make sure that he sleeps at a particular time when he's trying to solve the issue and he will go to bed and then he'll put like a like a timer beside him that will wake him up at a point where he would have entered deep sleep and so the reason why he did that was because you know scientifically they had proven that within a certain space of time after you sleep you actually i haven't i can't remember the different um uh, stages of sleep but there's a particular stage you enter into that is you've not yet slept to the point where you are unaware of what you were dealing with before you slept so there's still a residue of what your mind was thinking of but yet you've entered into that realm of sleep so he will set his alarm to make sure he enters into that realm so that he is able to begin to his mind can then solve the problems while he is resting his consciousness his unconsciousness is then able to solve the problem and then boom the alarm comes up and he wakes up and then he goes to write um this equal to this pi da, 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 because he has coming to the place where he understands that through his imagination or his mind has the power and the capacity to create things, to solve issues. Now, I'm saying this to you, you may be thinking to yourself, but oh, Pierre, we came here for power. We came here for us to begin to say every, every witch in my father's house, every, we're going to do that. But you need to understand that there are some things that are much, much more powerful. It says, according to what you ask or think. So many people know how to ask. Many believers are fantastic at asking, but we don't know how to think. So we are praying for revivals. God, let there be revivals. But my question is, what do you think a revival is? What are your thoughts about revival? Even your imagination concerning a revival is limited by the information you have. So many people's revival is that in our church, everybody falls down. The moment the pastor says, move now. Ushers, one, two, three, four. Up. That's your idea of revival. 
Everybody is falling. Everybody is rolling. People are screaming, vomiting. But how about that is one level? How about a different kind of revival? What about systemic revivals? How about cultural revivals? How about governmental revivals? So there are different kinds of revival, but your mind is limited in what it imagines a command of God to be. It's limited by your, the information you have taken in. So it is very, very important that we guard the eyes of our understanding. Even your dreams and your visions can give you understanding. And also revelation, the spirit of revelation that comes from studying the word is very, very important. Spirit of revelation that gives you prophecies, the spirit of revelation that downloads things to you, very important. So um, I'm just going to give you a testimony. So Reverend Harriet and I, we've been we here since yesterday, or she came in this morning, I came in in the middle of the night, which is still this morning. And part of the assignments that I was supposed to do while I'm here was I had a meeting with um, First Lady and part of things I was going to do was give her, you know, um, some document that, you know, I was going to give her, you know, things that were meant to be downloaded from the Lord. And um, up until this morning, it, it just wasn't downloading, you know, and I have been like praying about this, but it wasn't coming together. So I had little, little bits and pieces of what the Lord was saying, but it wasn't downloading. I promised a document and I'm like, Lord Jesus, what am I going to do? So I'm still praying and, you know, I'm still, in fact, one of my friends in ministry made it worse yesterday and I was telling this friend of mine and I was like, gosh, look, I'm supposed to give this document, you know, downloaded straight from the throne of God. I don't have it. I don't know what the Lord is saying, you know, and I'm like, gosh, what am I going to do? I'm a woman of my word. I have to, you know, and I said, but I can't lie. I need to hear from God. And so he said, I don't understand. You, you know, you have this assignment. I said, yeah. He said, how long have you known this? I said, well, about three weeks. He said, you've been eating for three weeks. Even as I'm talking to you now, you're throwing macadamia nuts in your mouth. You are eating. I said, I don't understand. I'm like, Should I not have eaten since? He said, what? You mean you had this responsibility? He said, and you were, you've been sleeping, right? How many times have you slept in the past three weeks? I said, what is it now? She don't know how I slept, you know? So, you know, he, he, he went on to tease me, which in a sense, even though it was a joke and a jab, but I was like, hey, blood of Jesus, maybe I shouldn't have eaten, you know, the past one month. What is wrong with me, Jesus, my life, my destiny? So I started feeling like I hadn't done enough, you know? So... Anyway, that was, we, we joked about that. So this morning I said to Reverend Harry, look, Reverend Harry, I don't know how we're going to do this meeting because I don't have this. And so one hour to the time, she's like, look, I have to go get ready. We have to be downstairs at this time. You know, so I was like, okay, great. Um, I said, you know what, just come back for me in, you know, the, the one hour. I'm just going to pray and get ready. So I remember going on my knees and saying to the Lord, you know, I said, God, look, on behalf of the kingdom, you just gotta try your best for your girl. You know, I said, Lord, um, honestly, I've been praying and I've been praying and you've said little, little things here and there. I said, but you, 
you haven't given me a clear word. I said, but I need a clear word. And I went back to Daniel and I, and I remember, reminded God of what Daniel said. And when Daniel said to King Nebuchadnezzar, there is no sorcerer, there is no astrologer, there is no witch warlock that has the capacity to tell you the imagination of your heart. He says, but there is a God in heaven who is able to tell every mystery. He says, that God will reveal to me. I said, Father, you are still the same God. The God of Daniel is my God, and you are the God that reveals mysteries. I said, so Lord, I'm waiting on you to speak. You know, whilst I was yet praying on my knees, the Lord said to me, but I spoke to you, you took it for granted. I said, yeah, you said this, you said this. It's just not come together as this document. This is like, pretty much a, a, a paragraph he said no you know and he said remember and you know what the Lord had spoken to me with um, Judah about four days ago wanted me to do his evening devotion for him so I was still working on my computer so I told him go get your Bible and so he went to get his Bible of which his Bible has changed now so he's, he's always bragging about I finished out that Bible I'm like look at you <laughs> A Bible that had only like six Bible stories inside. So Nathan has given him one of his Bibles. So he where he got his Bible and um, he, he then opened it to a particular page. And he says, Mommy, do you know this parable in the scripture? You know, and he was kind of like bragging. And it's like, this is the parable of this, this. Do you know this means this? And it wasn't even a New Testament parable. It was a testament uh, parable in the Old Testament. I needed to understand what I'm talking about. It was a parable in the Old Testament that I never would have, like, psh, even if I was to do devotion on my son, that's not what I'm going to be doing. I'm not going to be picking a parable from the Old Testament. But he brought out a parable from the Old Testament. I was so shocked that Judah knew it. I was even shocked that it was in his Bible. And he says, Mom, this means this, this means this. And I was like, ah, Judah, who told you? He said, apparently, Nathan had done that um, Bible study with him. So I thought, oh, this is really powerful. And we just went on. And the Lord said, but the moment Judah said it, I felt like, you know, there's a way, once again, understanding discernment. There's a way scriptures can jump out to you. There's a way a, a statement can jump out. Immediately, he brought that, by, that, 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 that scripture. It jumped out at me. And I felt like the hand of the Lord is upon this thing. I don't know why. And the Lord said, I was, I was using that scripture to speak to you. And so immediately I jumped up from my knees. I went back to my laptop. I, you know, I put up the scripture and I looked at the scripture again and bam, the well broke loose. In the space of like 30 minutes, I typed like a, a five page prophetic document, you know, and the Lord was distilling into different points. These are the seven points. These are the four steps. These are the this. This is the that. And I honestly did not finish because at that point I had to go. And there are certain people you don't keep waiting. Um, but by what I'm trying to speak to you is about the, the eyes of your understanding. Your understanding has eyes, but you have to be able to recognize when the Lord is showing something to you. You have to be able to recognize when the Lord is highlighting something. There are many people that, you know, could have avoided certain disasters if they had learned to trust the eyes of their understanding. So today was a test of my ability to trust my understanding. And so the moment I realized the Lord is saying this, all I needed to do was just start bam, typing and my understanding started downloading. My understanding started downloading. So it's the spirit of revelation. It's the spirit of revelation. 
you know, is the spirit of revelation. So it's part of the ways that understanding works. Are we all together? Are you still with me here? Are you still with me here? Great, great, great. I need to know you guys are here before I move on. Yes, we are. We are here. Great, great. We need encouragement. I didn't sleep all night because I didn't want to miss this meeting. So I need your encouragement. Fantastic. At anything I say, just say, wow, 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 wow. Powerful. Anything. If I say, and you know, oh my God, P.I. and, wow, that's so powerful. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what I mean is, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love it. You guys are wonderful. You're awesome. I feel, I feel like a powerful minister right now. <laughs> so, so, okay, okay, thank you. Now, now I know you are lying. So, it's, <laughs> um, but okay, on a more serious note, guys. So, yes, I need to go past, I need to go past eyes of your understanding because I wasn't planning to pause there. It's funny how I have now paused that eyes of your understanding. Reverend Harriet, please see the notes I have prepared for today. This is, look at, this is, the, look, look, this is all the notes for today. So I, I need to go past eyes of understanding. So the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Whew, so the eyes of your understanding has got different levels of illumination. So basically, in me teaching you right now, I'm just teaching you the way that I read the Bible. Okay, this is how I read scriptures. So that means um, the eyes, your understanding has got eyes, and the eyes or the eye system of your understanding has got different levels of illumination. That means it can be enlightened and that means it can be darkened. So a person can have these five things I've told, spoken to you about, a person can have them at a particular season in life at a heightened stage where everything, bum, 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 like when we go through prayer and we're fasting or when I was doing my morning and evening teachings, boom, your spirit opened up. You were having dreams, having visions, seeing things, you know, and it's just enlightened. But the, it can also be darkened by the information you are receiving and the spiritual exercises that you engage in. So, or remember what I told you, your understanding can be enlightened and understanding can be darkened. So there are times when people call me and they're like, P.I., I'm so sad, I'm so depressed. I'm like, no, you're not depressed actually. You're just, you just have darkened understanding because you haven't fed your understanding. You haven't fed your spirit enough for your eyes to be able to see clearly. So for example, the reason why I'm wearing glasses right now is because, okay, I'm facing the screen and the glare and the light and all of that. But part of it is even my glasses is not really helping me today because I haven't slept, so my eyes not seen properly, <laughs> do you get? So even I've, I've expanded my text, it's so big, you know, because I can't just see properly because I'm tired, I'm exhausted. So my, on my eyes, I have eyes, but my eyes are not enlightened because of the state of my being, because of the state of my body, because of the state of my life. In the same way, the state of your spirit can hamper the enlightenment of your eyes of understanding. So you, you go through a situation that maybe four months ago when you were in heightened spirituality, you could have evaluated that situation as nothing. Or somebody could have said something to you at a time when you were really on a high spiritually and you would have said, oh no, it doesn't matter. Hey, no, don't worry, she's just backing. Let her keep backing. It doesn't matter. 
But when you are in this situation or in this state where you haven't fed your spirit, the person says the same thing. i like, what nonsense? No, I have to defend myself. I have to say something. Why would anybody say that? Be careful. Because many people have engaged in situations, conversations, arguments, and fights that they were not supposed to engage in. It has stolen your power from you. It has stolen your reputation. It has taken a relationship from you that you were not meant to lose because in a season that you were in dark in understanding, you misevaluated the situation. So having your understanding enlightened is not optional. It is a necessity for life. Imagine going through life as though you were in darkness. Imagine how that is. That is the way many people journey. Yes. Their understanding is actually in darkness. So somebody, how can you choose who to marry when your, the eyes of your understanding are not enlightened? So you are seeing him through the, it's the it, you know the scripture that says, even your light is darkness. So you are seeing him through the light of a darkened world. So when I say to you, why do you want to marry her? Up here is everything I've ever hoped for. As soon as I hear that, everything in my head is, my, my red light is going, woo, 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 because I'm saying, what were the things that inferred what you hoped for? It's everything you've ever hoped for. Who told you that the parameters of your hope are accurate? So you hoped for big chests. You hoped for big accounts. You hoped for bicep. In the marriage, what do they do with bicep? Maybe I'm the one that does not know. Maybe there's something that happens with the biceps. Is it that every morning you just wake up, you see your husband jacking the cars up. Hello, I'm just fixing the tires of the house with my bicep. You know, it doesn't really do anything with the biceps. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's just for aesthetics, as it were. You know, so, but has big biceps, but does not have emotional muscle. So the moment you are, you are depressed or the moment you're sad or the moment you're going through trouble, he doesn't have the inner capacity to bear the weight and to nurse you back to strength. He has big biceps, but he does not have big bank account. Of course, you with the bicep pay my money for tickets, with the biceps pay school fees, or you just going to go to store. After you finish, you say ring everything. After you are finished ringing everything, you just put the muscle like this on the POS and the POS will ring it. It doesn't work like that. You get what I'm saying? So um, what informed everything you've ever hoped for? You get what I'm saying? Um, so the question is, are you evaluating through the eyes, through an enlightened understanding or through a darkened understanding? That's why there are certain critical um, decisions in life you must never take when your understanding is not in a heightened, enlightened state. You get what I'm saying? A heightened, enlightened state. And how do you enlighten your understanding? The light of his word. The light of the word of the Lord. Very important. The voice of God. He says, um, the word is the lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So it is the word of the Lord that is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. So for where you are, your feet represents your current standing and your current situation and the current affairs of your life. The word is a lamp unto your feet. And it says it is also a light unto your path. So your path speaks about your future, where you are going, where you hope to be, your career, your ministry, all of it is the word of the Lord. So it has the capacity to give you revelation and illumination for your current situation and illumination for your future decisions. 
You get what I'm talking about? So it is the word. So it says the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And I need you to stay with me because, um, I'm, anyway, let's go on. Let's go on. Let's go. Father, in the name of Jesus, we go on. He says that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. So you cannot tell me, oh, he's everything I have ever hoped for. When the Bible says you need to know that you're enlightened. When you find a person that has eyes that have been enlightened, the, pen, the way the person evaluates changes. He evaluates based on the hope of his calling, not yours, his. It is Christ that has called you. It is Christ that has. And so when you call a person, what does that mean? You call a person to a place. You call a person to a purpose. You call a person to an assignment. You call a person for a reason. A calling begins with an identification. An identification comes from the place of purpose and predestination. So the identification that God gives to you is a product of your purpose, which is his purpose, you know, and it's a product of your destiny and what he needs you to do. That's how God identifies you. So he gives Abraham from Abraham. Abraham to Abraham and he calls him the father of many nations. The identification is because embedded in Abraham is the will of God for Israel and for many generations, the people he will call his own. So Abraham did not get identification simply because God was looking for a cool name. And so, so many of us that have named our children based on trend. So everybody's calling their child, you know, month, you to you name your child August. What does August mean? Do you understand? What does August mean? And for some of you, you have name that you don't know the meaning. So what's your name? Battery. Why? What's your name? Battery. What does meaning what? That you do charge people up? What, what does it mean? You get what I'm talking about? So um, please, if you're a parent, it says train up a child in the way that he should go. So there is a way. There is the way, there's a definite way for every human being. So a child is a trust that is given to you by God. And your first labor over your child is not that you buy them tickets to travel or you buy them the newest clothes or the newest shoes. That is not your first labor over your child. Your first labor over your child is that you labor in the place of prayer, you labor in the place of fasting, you labor in the place of inquiring of the Lord to know the way that that child should go. So that you begin to, everything that you do in this life is in the direction or it is to empower the way that God has shown you concerning the child. So he says that, that ye may know what the hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory, the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You know, so um, that means is his calling, not your calling. So there's a calling that Christ has for you and you need to know it. And it is based on that hope. Because the calling has a hope. It is based on that hope that you make every decision in your life. It is based on that hope that you choose friends. It is based on that hope that you determine where to live. It is based on that hope that you determine who to marry. The hope of what he's calling. He now, he now says, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I remember when I was reading, reading the scripture yesterday, I paused and I said, the Bible says his inheritance in the saints. I said, that means Jesus has an inheritance in me. Christ has an inheritance in me. So, and I thought about it, I was like, what's an inheritance? So, so if someone dies today, you know, he's going to leave an inheritance for his children. So the inheritance is that 
great thing you are giving. It is that portion, that allocation from the labor of your father or the labor of whoever seeks to bless you and empower you, you know, so they leave you a proof, you know, for as a proof, as a product of their labor to say, hey, I'm giving this to you. And I said, his inheritance in the saints. So that means there's an inheritance. I am Jesus's inheritance. And I said to myself, I was like, he doesn't joke with me. I said, so you mean there's something in me that Christ is seeking to inherit? That means God has so labored in me and he wants to reconcile me to Christ. I mean, Christ is reconciling me to God, but God has given me as a gift, as an inheritance to Jesus. And I was like, wow, you see, you have something of worth. You're powerful. This is why Jesus doesn't joke with you. Do you understand? Because he says his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us ward? You have to understand what I'm saying. So there's a power that is emanating from Christ that is coming towards you. And the Bible described it as exceeding great power. It is wanting to say it is a great power. It is another thing to say it is an exceeding great power. So that means um, it exceeds what we even call greatness. And I need you to hear me today. Whatever you call power that is great, the power that is coming from Christ towards you is exceedingly greater than it. So this is why when you sleep and one demon puts one finger on your neck and is trying to press you and you are there thinking you are going to die, remember what I told you. Exceeding great power is coming out of Christ to you. So you look that demon in the face and say, hmm? how dare you? And so let them look at, let the demons look at you and say, ah, you are arrogant in the spirit. Where is it coming from? You will tell the demon and the exceeding great power coming from Christ towards me who believes. You understand what I'm talking about? So your belief is the very attraction, the very thing that attracts the power of God to your life. The exceeding great power of God to your life. It is your belief that attracts it. Now, remember, it says power here. It says, then goes on to say, according to the working of his mighty power again, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and what again? Power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world which is to come, and had put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So you then begin to see that power was mentioned several times in the scripture. And I'm just going to say real quickly. So the different kinds of power, at one point it was talking about exousia, which speaks about authority. At another point when he said power, it was speaking about dunamis, which speaks about the power, uh, is incomparable great power to those who believe. Power for miracles, signs and wonders. Then at another point he spoke about kratos, you know, which is actually demonstrative power explosive demonstrative power that's what he was talking about so there are other kinds of power there is in dunamo there is iskus you know these ones are all different kinds of power now 
the power I want to talk to you today is the exousia power, which is she said in in um, in in the verse when it was speaking is exousia power. You know now what is exousia? Exousia manifests itself in different dimensions. Now these are the basic definitions of exousia: the power of choice and the liberty of doing as you please. That's the first definition of exousia: the power of choice. The second definition of exousia is that it makes available to you physical and mental power. Physical and mental power. The third definition of exousia is the power of authority or influence over things and to have rights and privileges. The power of authority and privilege over things and to have rights and privileges. Now, the fourth definition of exousia is the power of rule or government. The power of rule or government. So when he was speaking about his exceeding great power towards us who believe, you know, Jesus was not just speaking about, um, oh, you know, strength as it were. No, 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 no. There were different categories of power that it was talking about. Praise Jesus. Amen. So I just want to quickly read the... Anyway, let's go on. Sorry. Just trying to be sure of which of the... Okay. It says, far above principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. It says, far above principalities and exousia. So he wasn't talking about principalities and power like strength. He was talking about principalities and authorities. Authorities. That was the exousia I was talking about. So he was talking about principalities and authorities. Now, what do these authorities do? And I need you to stay with me. What do these authorities do? Or how do these authorities work? Or how does this authority work? It says far above principalities and exousia and authority this authority come to affect your choice do you understand it's not any kind of powers these powers are the ones that control the choices of people now these powers in the heavenly realms um the way they work is that they use things like media because if you're going to affect the choice of a person you need to entertain the person now remember I told you people what entertainment is, is to hold attention until intention is delivered. To hold attention until intention is delivered. Now, so what did Satan do? He entertained Eve in the garden. Oh, did God really say, have you considered? Oh, he was tickling a part of her brain that was inquisitive. He was tickling a part of her that had never been tickled before. So he held her attention until he delivered the true intention. It's the same way many, many guys on the streets are entertainers. They understand it. They know how to hold attention until intention is delivered. So they will hold attention until the thing that they are looking for, they get it. 
Do you understand? So girls too today are entertainers. It's not just the men. So many girls know how to hold the attention of a man until they get what they want. Sometimes they want to sleep with him and get, sometimes they want to get his money. Sometimes they just want to have him as a, you know, many men think that they are the ones that married women, but they didn't know that the girl decided to marry them before they even <laughs> said hi. Yes. Chicken, yeah. If, you know, many guys get decided I want to marry this one. So you were just there thinking you were chasing for six months. You you that they had already determined in their mind that you were theirs. They just allow you to follow the protocol. Let it not be said. So to hold attention until the true intention is delivered. Now, so entertainment is needed for these powers to be able to affect people's choices. Now, information... So they inform you to transform you. So the information affects your process of transformation. So how do you do that? Media affect the choices of people. Also, your choices can be affected by your state of poverty, your state of need, you know, all kinds of things. But this power that was spoken about in Ephesians 1.21 was talking about power that affects choices. Next thing was talking about um, power that affects your mental state and your physical energy because your mind is connected to your physical body. So when you feel weak in the mind, you don't want to get up, you don't want to go out, you don't want to open the blinds, you don't want to do anything. So you find people who are, you know, efficient on a normal day. The moment they get into a dark place, their houses are a mess, their car is a mess, everything is a mess. It's like the reflection, the physical is a reflection of their spirit. It is actually something that controls it. There's a power in the spirit realm that controls it. That's why you must always pray for yourself. When you enter into certain atmospheres or you are going through life, you must declare that you are far above principalities and powers so that whatever the manipulation of those powers are, as they are manipulating people in the world, it cannot get to you because you cannot liberate people from things that you are still in bondage to. So you can't be in that state and be telling demon of depression, come out in the name of Jesus. Where is he coming out to? Come out to join the one that is inside you. You get what I'm talking about? So you have to understand that it is important for you to know where you are with God and where you stand with God. If I, one of the things I was going to say two days ago that I forgot when I was talking about the power of reasons why you don't walk in power is because you are too fearful. And I said, I quoted that scripture that says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. And I was going to say to people, we often forget that there is a spirit of fear. So it is actually a spiritual problem you have. It's not a psychological problem. So, oh, I don't know. I just, I go into panic attack. I go into anti. It's called, there's a spirit of fear. You need to understand it. So that means there's one demon standing behind you. That every time you encounter something or you're about to, you begin to palpitate. You are, it's called a spirit. So you are spiritually um, being manipulated. You have to break the hand of that spirit. In the same way, this spirit, this power in the realm of the spirit also controls mental and physical strength. The third thing that this spirit controls is authority or influence over things. So it wants to um, use legalities to be able to stop your influence so that in the day that you feel like, oh, 
you know, I'm, I'm, into, I'm called to preach the gospel. You are about to begin to preach. And they start hearing the voice, you, how could you? You don't have anything. You that you just left with Uncle Jumbo yesterday. This one, this one, this one. And then you back down. So it is trying to affect your ability to influence a people for God. And so the last one is government. It sets up demonic governmental systems. Now, talking about the power of choice, let's go there. Because I'm teaching you about exousia. So each of these ones, we're going to break it down real quickly. Oh, man, I don't have any time anymore. Okay, so exousia. Um, if you look at Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, it says, This day I call the heavens and the earth. So I'm talking about exousia now, exousia power. And there are, um, I was going to share, I'm going to teach about, um, in exousia, I'm going to teach you about power of choice, um, all the powers that we've listed, power of choice, power of government, and all of that. So under the power of choice, there are five points. Number one, um, in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witness against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Now what you want to understand is that, um, it says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witness against you. So, whether you believe it or not, or whether you choose to remember it or not, there are witnesses. I don't even get what I'm saying. So it's like saying you wake up, you see blood all over your clothes. And you're like, what happened? Why, why is there blood? And then you take two steps and you see a knife with blood on it. You're like, ah, I see a knife with blood on it. And then you take five steps and then you see your dog dead. You understand? And his stomach slit open. And you're like, yeah, neighbors, come, 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 somebody has killed my dog. And they look at you and they're like, dude, you killed it. Look at blood on your body. Look at knife on the floor. Look at the blood stain leading to where you were sleeping. And you're like, I, I know I cannot remember what happened, but I know there's no way I'll kill my dog. And the next thing, five people walk in and say, oh, we were with you. You know, when you did it, you were actually, you know, not yourself. Uh -huh. But we all saw it. You, I remember, he now said, uh, oh, yes, now he came out of his room there. The other person completed the statement. I said, yes, after he came out of his room there, he went to the kitchen, got the knife. That was the time he now, as long as there are witnesses, you will most likely go to jail. Because the testimony of the witnesses is what will be used to convict you. I hope somebody is following me. So in this to, to, in this um, verse of scripture, he said, This day I call heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death. So there is nobody that will die today. I'm telling you that will be able to raise a word against God and say, hey, If only God had kept his, if God didn't God preserve me. No, 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 no. It says there are witnesses, and the witnesses is the heavens and the earth. So everywhere you go, the earth is watching you like this. What choice is it going to make? What choice? Why? He says, the heaven and the earth. They are witnesses to the covenant that God has made. They are witnesses to the possibilities that God has opened to you. They are witnesses to the doors that God has made for you. He says, the witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death. So when you are choosing death, the earth is looking. And the heavens are looking. So one angel is not going to go rogue because of you. They are looking for your testimonial. And say, okay, what was the agreement between him and God? Hey, he agreed, okay. 
I'm just going to stand back and watch it happen. He says, I said before you, life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. So God had put down all the options and God knew exactly what was needed, but he could not force the children of Israel to do it. They had to choose life. They had to choose God. My question to you today is, what are you choosing? Who are you choosing? Are you choosing God consistently? Are you choosing God in every area, in every corner of your life? Are you choosing God on every matter? It says, choose life. Why? Because the earth is looking at you. It will determine whether it will give you increase. It will determine whether it will give you rain when you enter a season of drought. It will determine whether it will move everything to favor you. Because they were there when the choice was laid before you. And they are watching what you are choosing daily. So some of the constraints we are having, it's not a demon fighting you, it's just the earth. Because the earth saw the good, good opportunity that was laid before you. And then you chose death instead. It says now choose life so that you and your children may live. So that means the decisions for life that you make will affect the lifespan of your children. The decision you make to choose life will affect your children's lifespan. So there are some people whose children are dying off. So one died at 20, another one died at 21, another one died at 22. Why? It says because somebody's father chose death. Somebody's father did not choose life. Somebody's mother thought they could bypass the earth and bypass the heavens. Yes, even though we had this uh, God, but I could do something else. In the midst of it, it has affected the second generation. Are you still together? So, um, it shows us the power of choice. And it presents a clear contrast between life and death, blessings and curses. And encourages us to choose the path of life. You know, so I, I want to stop there because there are four other points on that, the power of choice alone you know and how to choose and different scriptures where God spoke about choosing and if you look at the Bible from the beginning it was always about the choice of Adam and Eve they had a choice they did not they were not backed into a corner they did not need to make the decision they made they chose to and that's why sometimes consequences are hard to bear so sometimes you're like ah but God now why are you using um, a sledgehammer when I just use toothpick to, to God is like it's, it's not about that they are set laws and you're going to face the consequences of your choices you have to get what I'm talking about Eve chose to eat the fruit as much as she carried God um, so much in her heart yet she chose something that was wrong the same thing Adam was not deceived he chose to join Eve in the scene that choice alone separated them from God. My question to you is what are the things you are choosing today that are becoming the very reason why your children may suffer death? What are the things you are choosing today? When people start talking to me about oh deliverance issue, I first speak about to the parents and I'm wondering okay what's going on in your life? How did this thing, how did your life go on to the point where this is happening to your seed? Because we have to begin to understand that we must take responsibility. So there are certain things I cannot watch in my house. The moment it starts, well, I turn it off. Why? Because I have children. If I don't choose a life in that moment, I can invite death through the television screen into my home.
If I don't choose life to watch what they are eating, you can invite death because you are giving your children only canned food, only processed food. That is a choice of death. So you say, choose life so that you and your children may live. So today we're going to stop here because there are four more points and we don't have the time to distill them. You know, so tomorrow we will continue on the power of choice and then the day after we'll go into the power of, uh, of, 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 of influence, you know, and on and on and on, the power of the mind. I can't wait to get to the power of the mind. And so under each one of these ones, there are five points each. So Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you and we bless you. Because we know, oh God, that we are in a time of visitation. We're in a day of power. And Father, you are coming to us. You are um, empowering us, as it were, with revelation and knowledge that we need, oh God, to be able to enter um, this season. And I just see in the realm of the spirit, someone who is it's almost as though the person is standing at a revolving door. And so for every time you are at the door, you are pushing at the door. But for every time you think you are making movement, you're just going round and round. And the door is not opening into a new place for you. The door is not opening into a new season. I just hear the Spirit of God saying that in this season, He's enlightening your understanding to know how to deal with this door, to know how to handle this door that is refusing to allow you enter into your new day. And so, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I just pray for everyone on this call, and I just pray, Father, that your mighty hand will remain upon them, that your grace will remain upon them, that your voice, O oh God, will consistently be spoken over them, that, Father, they will have the grace and the capacity to embrace your voice, that, Father God, none of us, our power of choice, O oh God, will not be manipulated by hell or by death. Father, help us to know the day when you are calling us um, to make a choice because you said this day I call the heavens and the earth. Father, may we not miss our day in the courts of heaven. May we not miss our day in the courts of heaven. In the day when our names are being called. In the day when our spirits are being summoned. In the days when Satan is raising an accusation against us. Father, help us, O oh God, to be able to respond, to hear, to know the days of our allotments. To know the days, O oh God, where you are calling us into higher levels of judgment. We will not miss it in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you. Father, we bless you. And as we go, oh God, I ask, Father, that you will fill everyone's heart with wisdom and strength mm -hmm. and capacity and you will give them the hunger for your word and so mm -hmm. that we may all return tomorrow to continue this journey mm -hmm. in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless your children. Even as you are choosing life, may God bless them. May God increase them. And may God sustain them within his will. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, God bless you. Uh, have a lovely, lovely, lovely day. And we will, I'll see you tomorrow. Um, remember, keep us in your prayers. You know, keep the team in your prayers. So where there are so many of us, I don't even know how God did it. I'm so happy. Um, Pastor Chintok is here with me. Um, T.Y. Belo is here with me. Pastor Bumi George is here with me. 
Um, of course, Reverend Harriet is here with me. Uh, Minister Yasmin Lugudo from Ghana is here. We have um, Claire is coming from Kenya. Valentine coming from Kenya. Um, you know, we have Pastor Bambi who is here. Like we have about twenty people or more than twenty, over twenty. You know, Joyce Awoshika is here, Olori is here. You know, there are just so many amazing, amazing people that have, you know, taken out their time and resources to make this journey because they know, they can sense that there is something about Uganda in this season. You know, the Lord spoke to us to have Mount of Deborah Uganda and, you know, we start to put all of that plan to work. And then by 27th of October, Uganda Air starts flying from Uganda to Nigeria. And I'm like, what are the odds that in the season where the loss is towards the day for Uganda is here? You know, Uganda finally decides to expand its air, whatever, to Nigeria. So the, the people coming for this meeting are pretty much part, like, part of the first set of people to fly Uganda F out of Nigeria. So that's to tell you that God is opening. And so when I sat with First Lady today, one of the things she said is, you know, I can see that the Lord is opening the gates between East and West Africa. And, and I'm telling you, something is about to happen. You know, something is about to happen. I've seen God do it every single time. Every single time. Every single time he tells me, Isi, get up and go. Part of what he's trying to do is prepare yourself. I call heaven and earth before, as witness between me and you, Isi. Don't say that you pray that she deliver you from issues in your father's house, mother's house, and I did not. I am telling you, go now. Do you understand? So I'm telling you, something is about to break loose. And there's a revival that is going to come out of Africa that needs the east and the western gates to connect. There's a revival coming. And it's not just a revival. Yes, there's a spiritual revival. But there's also a revival for the strength of Africa. And the strength of Africa cannot emerge until there is a connection between the gates of Africa. So there is a gate in the west. There are certain nations that are gateways. Do you people know the revivals that happen in Uganda? Do you know part of the first revivals in Africa actually began in Uganda? Before revivals got to the western part of Africa, it began in the eastern part of Africa. There were revivalists that came out of this land. Revivalists that walked on water. Revivalists whose clothes healed the sick and, and removed demons from people. I'm talking about many, many years ago. 1920 something before 1930 something before we started talking about all our own revivalists like Archbishop Benson in Dahosa, these people had lived and had done mighty works for the Lord. And so the revival from Uganda spread into um, nations like Kenya. Do you understand? And then these revivals, you know, lasted for years. So even before Western Africa began to experience certain measures of the power, the East was experiencing it. So God is restoring ancient wells. God is continuing journeys that great men labored for. And he's continuing them in our generation. But you need to be a man of faith to be able to carry a mantle that predates you. You need to be a person of faith to be able to carry a mantle that is older than your father and your father's father. You need to understand what I'm talking about. So there is a connection between the gates. Now, so what is beginning as a spiritual um, emergence is going to distill into um, different sectors. So I was having a chat with a friend of mine today and we're talking about, you know, um, blah, 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 the work we're doing here. And I said to the friend, I said, you know, I, 
can't wait to see what this that I'm doing is going to look like when the area you are involved in, which is not ministry at all, when it then begins to come on such trips with me, because the time is coming where I'm going to a nation, and it's not only prayer warriors we're carrying. You know, as we're going to the nation, people with different skills and different capacities are also going to till the land. You know, doctors are going to look for, okay, opportunities in the medical field or opportunities to bless and opportunities to be blessed. Fashion designers are going and looking to, oh, how are we bringing revival to the, to the fashion world here? Is there room for that? Because remember, the boats that they, that they used to go to nations, the Roman citizens that were called the Ecclesia, there was a boat that they would go in to go into a nation to transform the nation, to turn the nation into a Roman nation. They, they were called the Ecclesia. So in the, Ecclesi the Ecclesia had like doctors, lawyers, um, teachers, people in the fashion, um, so I've called medical, military, different mountains of society. They would gather them together. They were called the Ecclesia. And then this Ecclesia, maybe like a select 12 across the different mountains, would get into a boat. And the name of that boat was called the Apostle. And they will enter the apostle and they will sail to a new land. And when they get to the new land, the ecclesia will come out of the boat and they will burn the apostle. Please don't burn me. I'm going to set you on fire. Now, they will burn the apostle. <laughs> and, and burning the boat, which was called the apostle, was a sign that we are not going back to Rome until the kingdom of this world, until the kingdom of this land has become the kingdom of Rome. Now, so what will they do? The ecclesia, every one of them, the doctor, the tailor, the teacher, the military, the nurse, the days that came out of the apostle, they will all infiltrate that society and they will enter like normal people and they will rise to the highest level of ranking in whatever sector and they will begin to um, to, to, to begin to inspire that sector with Roman ways and Roman beliefs. So like the, the, the tailor there now, the fashion person, who enter that land and I begin to say, maybe if they, they used to wear clothes with big hand, and I begin to say, oh, uh, you know, I have something you guys should try. Okay, I'm going to show you. So what about a style where it has no sleeve? And the people are like, oh, a clothes without sleeve. They're like, yeah, don't worry, I'm going to make one. And then the person makes it. And of course, these guys go with wealth. They don't just enter the land. They go with great wealth. And because with the wealth, they are able to achieve influence really quickly. So with the wealth, you are able to innovate. You are able to create. You are able to buy people. So they go with great wealth and then create this cloth without sleeve. And of course, because the person is an influencer, it was like, wow, wow, man, all of us, let's so close without sleeve. The person in law begin, begins to say, oh, how about we pass a law that defends women with babies at so, 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 so stage. And they're like, really? Why would we defend? Oh, okay, let's pass a law. And they do that. And little by little, when you come back into that society after 10, 15 years, they will marry or they will give birth to children, but they all know what they are doing there. After 10, 15 years, you look at that society, it looks exactly like Rome. It looks exactly like where they have come from. Then they have done what now? Discipled the nation. So that by that time, they will now go and call for Caesar or call for whoever. When Rome comes, it is very, very easy for the people to accept Rome because they are already living by the Roman dictates and they're already living by the Roman culture, even without them knowing that salt 
and light had infiltrated their system. Now, when Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia, that's what Jesus was talking about. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. Now, because Jesus understood that for you to be able to take a nation and a people like that, you must first conquer the gates that stands between you and the city. So there are gates in fashion, there are gates in non-profit, there are gates in banking systems, there are gates in marriages, there are gates in educational system. So Jesus says, and the gates of hell shall not stand against them. He says, I will build my ecclesia. So what Jesus was saying was, I will train my people, I will train believers to know how to enter places and how to influence and how to transform them with time. So when you hear me saying, oh, when I'm going to these nations, a time is coming where, guess what, I'm going with the ecclesia. And it's not just the fact that you belong to a church. That's why you are the ecclesia. The ecclesia was made up of a people with a certain mindset, a people with long-term view, a people with determination, a people that do not misevaluate themselves based on how they appear in that moment in time. So there are many of you that may listen to me and think, what's she even doing, Seth? Today is South Africa. Today she doesn't want to travel. You know, but you are misevaluating because you are looking at how I am now. Because I'm still saying to you, give towards this trip. That's why a time is coming that you'll be struggling to give, even though you know that this person doesn't need it anymore. Just what I'm saying, because when you look at the ecclesia, when they arrive that land, they look like nothing. They're just men who enter the land. But you give them 10 years, they grew steadily because they understood the power of infiltration. They understood the method of infiltration. Many Christians do not understand this and they do not have the strength for long-term pursuits. That's why they are limited. But you see, remember when I was talking to you about imagination, you must imagine your future. You must imagine the will of God. You must imagine the hand of God. You must imagine possibilities and you must teach your children how to imagine. Which day I was talking to Judah before I left. Talk, talk, talk. Next to Judah, I was like, hey, hey. He said, psh, 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 I'm going to kill you. I said, what is this one? I said, what are you saying? He said, mommy, I'm a monster. Before the tar could come out of his mouth, I said, you are not a monster in the name of Jesus. He said, mommy, mommy I'm, it's just monster. I said, there's no just. You are not a monster in the name of Jesus. I said, child, that I gave it to, I said, you carried, I said, I carried the life of God. I carried the life of God. I said, say, I carried the power, I carried the power of God. I'm not a monster, I'm not a monster. It was like a serious matter. But guess what, what am I doing? His imagination. And I'm like, where did you get that? Why are you imagining? You're not even watching TV right now. But obviously something has been sold to you that is making you imagine even after you've watched it, maybe two days later, that you can be a monster. And in his mind, he just thinks that a monster is something that he's shouting. Argh. He doesn't understand the meaning. So the problem is, many of us are not the owners of our minds. The minds have been possessed by powers that want to affect your choice. But because of the things that God is saying to us and because of the ways that God is working with us, we have capacity to overthrow these demonic mindsets and to stand firm in the revelation of God's will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So keep us in your prayers. And on Saturday, we're going to send links so that you can watch the event. It's, a, it's not open to the public. It's for about 250 to 300 
um, builders of the land. So um, we'll put a Zoom link and join. You can watch the meeting and make sure we're streaming. I make sure we're streaming the meeting, um, even though it's closed, so you can watch it. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And by the grace of God, I will see you tomorrow. Okay. Bye.